Welcome to Abundant Life with Pastor Joe Ganahl. I already got called out for my Iowa shirt this morning. I know I probably should be wearing SDSU stuff, but I just got back from Iowa and I got called out quite a bit for wearing my SDSU stuff in Iowa. I uh, had the opportunity to go to my hometown and, and do the funeral celebration for a high school friend of mine, Jeff Skiles. Uh, Jeff, you've been praying for Jeff. Um, Jeff passed away about a week ago from cancer. And it was a celebration because Jeff knew Jesus. And we rejoiced in that and we celebrated that and we had the opportunity to talk about Jesus in the midst of our hurts and in the midst of our pain. And so it was, uh, it was really quite, quite the opportunity to see old friends and to, to celebrate Jesus even in the midst of great sorrow and great pain. And I came away from that and I was reminded that I don't have a cool nickname. I mean, the high school guys that you hang around with, they all had cool nicknames. I mean, my friends had nicknames like Tree and Goomy and BC and Stevie Mac and The Mayor. And then, of course, there was Sky, Jeff Skiles. And I thought, what will my nicknames be? The Ganalster. <laughs> Ganali. I mean, they just don't quite roll off the tongue. I mean, people, when they first meet me, have a difficult time of even knowing how to pronounce my name. Joel Ganal. Joel Ganal, can you please come to the front, please? So I just realized I don't have a cool nickname. So you guys are going to have to come up with a cool nickname for me the next time I go back to Iowa. Big G? <laughs> That's not too bad. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you <laughs> noticing that. It was amazing on Friday night at the visitation and afterwards and then on Saturday uh, at the funeral and then afterwards, how many people of that circle of friends of mine, some I hadn't seen for 40 years, how many of them know about Abundant Life Church? And how many of them have seen us on Facebook? How many of them have seen us on YouTube? We were at a, a sports bar on Friday night after the visitation and I was pointing out our app to people at the sports bar and they were downloading our app because they wanted to know more about the gospel. So today's message, it's interesting. There, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in God's providence and I didn't put any timing together on this but the message that I preached at the funeral service was just about Jeff's journey in faith and coming to know Jesus. And this message today is, is almost a great part two of that. And I'm so excited for how God worked that because I know that there are going to be many people that were at that funeral service, that, that were at the visitation, they're going to be watching this message today. And it, it's kind of a great follow-up for them, great follow-up for you guys to hear something after that funeral service message. Something that, that kind of moves us continually forward into our relationship with Jesus Christ. And again, I'm always amazed at how God does that and how he puts the pieces together to flow in an even greater way in, in, in way that we could do it. We've established over the last couple of weeks that there is a God, right? 
we've established over the last couple weeks that if there is a God, then the God that there is is the God of the Bible. We've been pretty clear about that, and we went outside the Bible to prove those kinds of things. We see all over Scripture that God says, there is is no one besides me. I, I am the only God. So what does that do for us? Well, number one, it tells us that when we have questions, we've got a source we can go to. We've got a source we can go to. One of the guys and his wife that I was talking to said that um, they live in Kansas City, and he said, we start our Bible studies every week with God cannot lie. And then we look through the scriptures at the promises of God, and that helps to encourage us that those things we're reading in the scriptures are true. And so what we're going to see today is that there is a God, he's the God of the universe, and he wrote a book to help you figure out how to live this life. Now remember, way back at the very beginning, six weeks ago maybe of this, we talked about questions and we talked about questioning. Please understand, questions are always good. Because a question is something that seeks a reply. Questioning is something that proceeds from doubt and uncertainty. We're not not wanting to proceed to God in doubt and uncertainty. But we are able to go to God with questions and talk to him about the things that we struggle with. Look look at in your notes. There's, There's over 50 scriptures in your notes today. 50. And I, I stopped at 50 because I ran out of room. There's just so much that the Word of God has for us. I, I wish I could put more in there because that is our hope. That is our foundation. So look in your notes for just a second. Look at Psalm 18 in Proverbs 6. God's way is perfect. There is a way to live this life and there is not the way to live this life. And, and many people in our country are on not the way. And they wonder why they struggle. And they wonder why they can't seem to get ahead. Because you're not on the way. There is a way. And it's God's way. Because he's the God of the universe. And he wrote the book. That's sometimes difficult for us men. Because we don't want to read instructions. But the guy who made the product. Usually knows how to work the product. And how the product works best. And it's in those instructions. Look at Proverbs 6. My words will guide you. My words will watch over you. My words will talk to you. My words will protect you. So when you have questions in life, and boy, oh boy, you will have questions in life. When you have those questions, you've got a place to go that is a foundation for the answers. And and I I, I know there's some parents out there, and sometimes you get tired of all the questions that your kids ask you. God never does. God never does. Look at James 1. If you lack wisdom, ask God. He'll give it to you generously. God's not going to get mad at you when you ask a question. He will give it to you generously. But ask in faith without doubting. Because the doubter should not expect to receive anything. So do you see where we're back to? We've got a question And we've got questioning illustrated right here in this passage. So questions are good. God will walk with you. God will show you where those answers are. Questioning, don't expect to receive anything. 
So in this life, you are going to have a lot of questions. You're going to ask a lot of questions. You're going to be asked a lot of questions. There's some great questions out there. Will you marry me? Is there any more Dr. Pepper? <laughs> Can I really buy another gun? Those are some great questions. You may not face all of those, but every single person in our world has to face one specific question. It is the most important question that you will ever ask in your entire life. And we find it in multiple places in Scripture. But Jesus says, but you. Who do you say I am? But you. Who do you say I am? See, we like to deflect that, don't we? Well, what about that guy in Africa? No, it ain't about the guy in Africa. God will deal with the guy in Africa. The question is to you. But you, who do you say Jesus is? And so that question has to be asked and answered by every single one of us. Every single one of us. Remember, everybody knows God. God has shown himself to everybody so that men are without excuse. So you and I have to answer that question. And we're going to go away from necessarily what the Bible is and is true, and we're going to try to answer a question today. Again, kind of part two to the message I just gave at the funeral. What about salvation? What about salvation? Because that will help you answer the question, who do you say I am? So let's pray and we'll dig into that. Father, thank you so much. Gosh, you are so good to us. Good to us sometimes in ways we do not see. Good to us in ways that we're able to see your glory and your goodness this morning. Good to us because of this church you've given to us. Good to us because of the worship we are able to sing together. Good to us because of the word of God which helps strengthen us and guide us and point us in the right direction. So Father, we thank you for your words today. We thank you for the opportunity to see you in a new way today. To have you revealed to us by the Holy Spirit like we have never seen you before. Thank you, Jesus, for protecting this word and allowing it to go deep into hearts so that we might see your goodness and your glory on this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So remember, I've, I come from a... a media, television, newspaper background. And so when you're a good reporter has to answer the who, what, when, where, why, and how questions. Not a lot of news organizations do that today. So we're going to continue on that theme. And as we talk about salvation, we're going to try to answer the who, what, when, where, why, and how questions today. So the first question that we obviously have to answer is, what is salvation? When we're talking about salvation, what is it? Very simply, Jesus. Literally, Jesus. In, in, in the Hebrew, the word salvation is Yeshua, which is Jesus. Look at Psalm 25 and Psalm 61. I rest in God alone, my salvation comes from Him. Yeshua 
in the Hebrew. It means deliverance, salvation, rescue, safety, welfare, prosperity, and victory. So in the Old Testament, this is what salvation means. And again, it is Jesus. You cannot have salvation outside of Jesus. They coexist because they are one in the same. Amen? Okay. Now in the New Testament, we see two words used in the Greek for salvation. We see soteria used. Soteria is a noun, and sozo is a verb. You ever wonder why our youth group is named sozo youth group? This is your reason. So soteria and sozo are basically the same word, except one is a noun and one is a verb. Give you some examples of that. Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the one and only power of salvation to everyone who believes. There is no salvation outside the gospel. The gospel, in it, in the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed. There is no salvation in man's righteousness. You know what our, our righteousness is? A filthy rag. Isaiah 64. So there is no salvation in our righteousness. There is salvation in God's righteousness. Soteria means deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation. It also means benefits and blessings. So you see it's very, very similar to the Hebrew word Yeshua. Now you also have sozo, which is the verb, Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name by which we can be saved. So we go back to what we see in the Hebrew that salvation is Jesus. And Jesus is salvation. Sozo, to keep safe, to rescue from danger, to make well, to heal, to restore to health, to preserve, and to save. So you see the similarities of all three of those words. Now I'm going to condense all of those definitions down to three words. Benefits and blessings. Benefits and blessings. Okay? So when we talk about salvation, it's benefits and blessings. Now one of the other definitions of this word in the Greek, listen close, it is the present possession of all true Christians. So when you see these definitions, when you see preservation, when you see rescue, when you see healing, when you see benefits and blessings, the very definition of the word is the present possession of all true Christians. So when we talk about salvation, what is it? Well, it is Jesus. Literally, it is Jesus. But it is also benefits and blessings. You with me? Okay. Who can receive salvation? Great question, right? Very simply, everyone. Very simply, everyone, now not everybody does, but very simply, everyone can receive salvation. Now there are religions and there are denominations, even Christian denominations, who will tell you that there is no salvation outside of their church. Now if you hear someone be preaching that, I would get up out of your seat right then and walk out the door and find a church that preaches the gospel. And let's just be bold about it. Everyone can be saved. Now again, not everybody is. But everyone can be saved. And God tells us that it is my desire that everyone be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 
That's God's desire. That everybody is saved. Can I take a little rabbit trail here for a second? God is not in control of this world. If you don't believe me, look around. The things that are happening in our world are not in God's control. Why? Because he gave the control of the earth to men. One of the most dangerous doctrines that you'll find is the doctrine of God's sovereignty, which means that God is in control of everything and that nothing happens outside his will. I can guarantee you that lots of things happen outside of God's will. How do I know that? Because there are people who will go to hell, and it tells us that God desires that everybody be saved. So obviously, God does not get his way all the time. Amen? I just want you to know that. Because we have a tendency to blame God for everything, especially the bad stuff. We usually blame God for the bad stuff and take credit for the good stuff. I mean, let's be honest. So we've got to be careful of that. We've got to be careful that there are things that happen on this earth that happen because of our choices and our actions. And yes, you've been forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future, but there are still consequences to those behaviors. Okay? Back on the track. God wants everyone to be saved. Everyone he wants to receive salvation. Look at some scriptures. Look at John 3. Everyone who believes, anyone who believes, the one who believes. I've listed a bunch of scriptures for you there. So salvation is available to everyone, but it is your personal choice. Amen? It is your personal choice. You are not saved because of anybody else. Everybody has to come and make that decision. I want to show you Acts chapter 10 in the message. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready, the door is open through Jesus. It's a great, great paraphrase to that verse. If you're ready and you want God, the door is open through Jesus. So we've answered the what, we've answered the who, now let's answer the how. How do I receive salvation? Very simply, like a child. Like a child. A child believes, a child trusts, a child obeys. Without childlike faith, you and I will not see the kingdom of heaven. So we receive this salvation like a child. Now, again, children ask a lot of questions, right? Very, very, very seldom will you see a child questioning. They ask a lot of questions. Why do they ask a lot of questions? It's not just to bug you, mom and dad. It's because they want an answer. And so it's so important that you and I take the time to answer those questions for them. Because if you don't answer those questions for them, the world will answer those questions for them. And if you and I don't take the time to answer those questions for them, guess what will happen? There will come a point where they will no longer ask you any questions. And so when your kids ask you a question, rejoice that they've asked you that question. And in the middle of that question, point them to Jesus. Point them to the Word. 
And as you begin to do that, you're going to find that that's what your kids are going to rely on as they get older. They're going to rely on the power of that word. But again, very seldom are children questioning. They're, they're not proceeding from doubt and uncertainty. They want an answer. Look at John chapter 1, verse 12. To all who receive, he gave the right to become children. To all who believe. Now when you look at the word believe in the New Testament, it's the Greek word pistuo. Now pistuo is a verb, and it's used 218 times. We get faith and belief kind of confused sometimes. Faith is always a noun. So faith is a place. Pistuo, believe, is always a verb. It's an action. So I want to show you this. I've just taken you to John 1.12. To all who believe in Jesus, he gave the right to become children. So I have taken you to a place. Faith has taken you to a place. But there's still an action that needs to be done. For the faith to work, there's an action. And what's the action? To believe. So faith and believe, although they're very, very close, it's kind of like soteria and sozo, the noun and the verb. Faith and belief are pretty much the same. Faith is the noun. I'm going to take you to a place. I'm going to take you to a place of the word. I'm going to take you to the place of Jesus. But there has to be an action for that faith to then work. And the action is the belief. And again, it depends on Luke chapter 6. Give, and it will be given unto you. So I can take you to the place of that scripture, and I can show you the place of that scripture. But in order for you to receive, guess what the word says? It has to be accompanied by the belief, the action of your giving. Amen? You with me? Okay, come on, give me more. You with me? Okay. So what does pistuo mean? It means to think to be true. So I can preach 50 scriptures to you today, and if you don't think they're true, it's not going to matter at all. It's something that you place your confidence in. You and I believe in a lot of things, but we may not place our confidence in those things. So are you placing your confidence in Jesus for your salvation? My goodness, please... This place is wonderful. This church is wonderful. This church is family. But this church ain't going to save you. Don't, don't place your confidence in this church. Place your confidence in Jesus. Don't place your confidence in me. Place your confidence in Jesus. Pistuo also means you trust that Jesus is able to do something. And what we're talking about here is salvation. So we've answered the what, we've answered the who, and we've answered the how. Let's go to the next one. Why? Why should I receive salvation? Very simply, do you see a pattern? I almost titled this message very simply. Why am I being simple? 2 Corinthians chapter 11. There is simplicity in Christ. Man, so many of us go to church, and I have no idea what the guy has said in the first five minutes. Because he has used so many words that are above my head, I've got not a clue where he's going or what he's talking about. There is simplicity in Christ. And I don't know. I don't know if pastors want to 
prove to you how smart we are or anything like that? I don't know. Sometimes we get ahead of ourselves. Very simply, why should I be saved? Inheritance. Inheritance. Used over 200 times in the, in the Bible. God loves everyone in the entire world. Think of someone that is not behaving in a godly fashion. I'll give you a name. Vladimir Putin. He is not behaving in a godly fashion. But you know what? God loves him. God loves every single person in the world. What's God want? He wants them to come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. That's what God wants. So if you really want to pray for this conflict that's in our world today, pray that Putin has a revelation of Jesus Christ. But God loves him. God loves him. That person that has hurt you and they hurt you bad, God loves them. The issue is not with God's love. The issue is whether or not they're God's child. And those are two vastly different things. God loves everybody, but not everybody's his child. And only the kids get the inheritance. So why should I receive salvation? Inheritance. Now inheritance is something that we, we get mixed up. And, and we look at these things, remember the definitions of salvation? And we see wisdom and victory and prosperity and deliverance and healing. And we say, well, those things are available to us in heaven. Yes, absolutely they're available to you in heaven, but that's not what an inheritance is. I've said this over and over and over and over again, and I'm going to say it over and over and over again. An inheritance for you is when somebody else dies and you are left here. Amen? That's what an inheritance is. And God wants you to use that inheritance where? In heaven or on earth? On earth, here. That's what the inheritance is. And it's for you to use here. Look at this. I have got two wonderful gift certificates to the exchange. A $100 gift certificate. Sam, by the way, thank you for giving me a gift certificate for the exchange. Elaine, thank you for giving me a gift certificate for the exchange. These gift certificates have been fully paid for. It would be foolish for me not to use them. Amen? It would be foolish for me to throw those gift certificates away. Now sometimes I do that because I don't know what my inheritance is. I don't know what's been given to me. Or number two, I don't believe it. My people are destroyed by lack of knowledge or rejected knowledge. So the main reason why you and I don't use our inheritance is because number one, we don't know about it. Or number two, we don't believe it. But an inheritance has been given to you to use on this earth. And God wants you to use it. Look at some scriptures that I've put here. Psalm 84. The Lord will give grace and glory and not withhold any good thing. God's not going to withhold any good thing from you. Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit testifies that we are God's children. Testifies. He comes and agrees you're one of God's children because you have received and believed in Jesus. You now are a child. That makes you an heir of God 
and a co-heir with Jesus. And the Bible says he has freely given you all things. Last, I remember, it's been kind of going back and forth. Um, Jeff Bezos of Amazon and Elon Musk are kind of vying for the richest man in the world. Imagine if you were an heir of one of those two people and they died. And they left you literally billions. You'd probably use that. And so God says, I have left you and I have given you everything that I've given Jesus. It's time to start using it. God's greatest possession was Jesus Christ. If God, all of the other gifts that God can give us, whether it's healing or wisdom or provision or strength or peace, all of the other gifts are lesser gifts than what God has given you in Jesus. And so if God has given you the greatest gift in Jesus Christ, make no mistake, all of the other gifts are yours as well. They are the present possession of all true Christians. And they are part of the benefits and the blessings of inheritance. Now, what are some of those things? We've talked a little bit about them. Again, I could do a whole message. I've done a whole message before on what your inheritance really is. Your inheritance includes wisdom. Your inheritance includes includes healing. Your inheritance includes peace. Your inheritance includes strength. Your inheritance includes patience. Anything that you can see that God has given to Jesus is yours. And it's been given to you freely. We checking off boxes? Okay, let's check off one more box. I couldn't fit the where in. I just, I tried. I couldn't fit the where in, so I'm doubling up on the how. So here's another really important question that has confused people for a long time. How long does my salvation last? You ever had that discussion or wondered how long? That question has been going on for thousands of years. How long does this salvation last? Well, until you commit the next sin. And when you commit the next sin, you've probably lost your salvation. Ever heard that? Ain't true. Nope. Ain't true. So I'm going to take you again where we always take you. I'm going to take you to Scripture. If you are a fan or you've downloaded Paul Ellis's stuff, the Grace Commentary and the, the Grace Glossary, Ellis lists, if I remember, it was like 160 verses in the New Testament that talk about your salvation being forever and secure. Your salvation is secure. So how long does your salvation last? Very simply, forever. Can't lose it, folks. You cannot lose your salvation. Why? Because it's not based on anything that you've done other than to believe in Jesus. Well, pastor, haha, I got you there, pastor. See, what if you stop believing in Jesus? All right, let me ask you a question. If you're a parent, this will make more sense to you. Let's say you have a child and that child grows up and you get in a disagreement and they disown you. 
I, I don't believe you're my parents anymore. I don't want you to be my parents anymore. I don't want you to be my. I don't want to be your child anymore. I want nothing to do to you. I'm going down to the courthouse and I'm changing my name tomorrow. I am. I am distancing myself completely from you. I want nothing from you. I want no inheritance from you. I want nothing. And your child has said that to you. Let me ask you, parents, is that child still going to be your child? Yes. If that's true of you and I, who are evil, Matthew 7 says, how much less true would it be that God is going to disown you if God is good and God gives good gifts to his children? So if you and I wouldn't do that, to our children, no matter what our children said, after they have become our children, God will never, ever, ever do that to you. No matter what you say or no matter what you do, you are still a child. I've often asked this question when people say, well, yes, you can lose your salvation. I said, well, does that mean the Holy Spirit is going to be in hell? Because Jesus says the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. And if the Holy Spirit is going to be with you forever and you can lose your salvation, then that means the Holy Spirit's going to go with you to hell. Well, that ain't happening either. Because one of the very definitions of hell is the absence of God. So again, let's go back to Scripture. Let's see what the Bible says about this issue. And it says about this issue even in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 51 my salvation, now remember what salvation is in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, it's Yeshua, it's Jesus. Jesus will last forever. My salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never end. But flip over to the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 9, 1 John chapter 5, by his own blood, he has obtained eternal redemption. You have been given an eternal inheritance. And John writes these things to you who believe, not to the world, he writes these things to you who believe. He writes these things to Christians. So what? You may know you have eternal life. Eternal in the Greek, aeonos. Aeonos means without beginning and without end. It means it always has been and always will be. It will never cease. So tell me how long your salvation is going to last. Forever. It is right there in Scripture. And you know one of the main reasons why churches will tell you, why some churches will tell you that you can lose it? Because they want to control you. Because if salvation is only available in this church, it's only available in this denomination, then you are scared to death to leave. Had a conversation with a guy in his mid-70s about two months ago, and that was the kind of church that he grew up in. And they told him that if he ever left that church, he was going to hell. He left that church about two months ago. He was water baptized, and he said, why didn't I know all this before? And he's now attending a church that preaches the gospel, and it has absolutely set him free. Your salvation will last forever. Heaven is forever. Now the flip side of that, so is hell. There is no getting out of hell. 
There is no, you go into hell for a thousand years and you do some penance and you do some, I don't know how you do good things in hell or how you'd be good in hell, but you do some good things in hell and then maybe God will have mercy on you and take you to heaven. Nope. It's appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. So please understand, heaven is eternal, but hell is eternal too. And heaven and hell are determined specifically, completely, totally on the decision that you make on this earth for Jesus Christ or not. All who believe in Jesus are saved. All who believe in Jesus are free from wrath, free from judgment, free from condemnation. But the one who rejects Jesus will not see eternal life. This message is not about hell, but I need you to know that. Because that's not good news. But you need to know the news. The good news is, the one who does believe in Jesus, they receive eternal life. And that eternal life lasts forever. One more box. When? When should you receive salvation? Any guesses? Now! Why would you wait? Why would you wait for all of the benefits and blessings that God has for you? It makes no sense at all. The reason is, we don't know how good that place is. And we don't know what our inheritance is. And we think, well, if I become a Christian, I'm not going to have any fun. Did you see Carrie Miller in AL News? Carrie Miller is the epitome of a Christian who likes to have fun. And Christians should own fun. People should come to us and say, what in the world are you having so much fun? They would if they came to this church. God is a God of fun. God is a God of laughter. God is a God of joy. And so we present... A not so good picture to the world when we walk around like we've eaten persimmons. They're very, very sour. God wants us to show the world the joy of Jesus Christ. And when you begin to understand what this salvation is, you will show on your face the joy of Jesus Christ. Folks, I can't, it blows me away to how many people I talk to again these last couple of days that I just got to share Jesus with. And I just got to share, I'm not the same person I was in high school. I'm not the same person I was in college. Something has changed, and it's Jesus. And I want everybody to know that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Today's the day. Now's the time. Now's the time for you to receive salvation. Today's the day. Not only... There, I, I would be willing to say that there are some people in this service right now today that don't yet know Jesus. That you've heard about Him, but you've not yet made the decision to believe and receive all of who He is and become His child. But there are other people in here today that I am fairly certain that you have not received all of the benefits and the blessings of your salvation. You've not received your full inheritance. 
So regardless of where you sit on that scale, God says, I want you to receive salvation today. Whether it's the beginning of a relationship with Jesus or whether it's a deepening of a relationship with Jesus that will allow you to receive and use the full inheritance that Jesus has died to give you. Amen? Amen. So today's the day. If you'd like to receive that, do you know how easy it is? Do you know how simple God has made it for us? It's literally this, Father, thank you for what your son has done. I, I receive him into my heart. I believe he is who he says he is. I believe he's the Messiah. Who do I say he is? I say he's the Messiah. I say he's the Christ. I say he's my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. And you can probably do it in a simpler way than that. So I hope you'll do that today. Elaine and I are going to be up front after service. If you need prayer for anything, if you want to share with us the joy of a decision that you've just made, either to start that relationship or maybe to deepen that relationship, we'd love to hear about that. You are so precious to us. This family is making a difference in our world. And we're glad you're a part of that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy of knowing your Son. We thank you for revealing to us the depth of your salvation. And we thank you for welcoming everyone, anyone, and the one who believes in Jesus into this family. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done all that you've shown us on this day, we receive it with great joy. And all God's people said, Amen. You've been listening to a sermon by Pastor Joe Ganahl. For more information on resources and how you can partner and support this ministry, log on to our website at albrookings.org.